hey, hey. This is Libby. I am just here to let you know that this episode of the Full Cup on the topic of love is going to be split into two episodes. So today, enjoy the first half, and next week we'll release part two. All right. Hello, 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 everyone. Hey, Libby. Welcome to the Full Cup. Nice to see you this morning. Good to see you. Back. We're just chilling in the kitchen. <laughs> Gonna... I got my Diet Coke. <laughs> got your Diet Where's my Diet Coke? Well, I'll get you one. Okay. I've already had two. So. <laughs> All right. So we've been gone for a few weeks. I wasn't feeling well. And then, you know, we just kind of do what we want because... Just as it comes out. Why not? Yeah. Last time we recorded, we did review a few things, which I think is good because I think a lot of new people come in and they don't necessarily start at the beginning, though we recommend that. So if this is your first time listening, go back to the beginning and start there. Well, you told me a lot of people have been listening. Yeah, we've, we have <laughs> grown a lot. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, I guess if it's helpful, yeah. Yeah, I think people are liking it, so... <clears throat> I'm sure there are some haters, but I, I haven't heard them. So keep your hate to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Or we'll take any feedback. But well, also, we just do this because we want to. It's not right. like we're that's nobody's right. paying you to do this. So. Right. <laughs> okay, so you said you had a client yes, who had okay. said they had listened to well, this, the podcast. This is what I want to start uh, with today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a woman called me. She's Uh, She's a psychologist. She said I can use her name. I won't use her name, but she's been practicing for probably 20 years. And I first met her probably 15, 20 years ago, and we did some work back then. And and so she calls me every once in a while just to kind of find out what's going on with, uh, you know, she has a case or she's struggling with somebody. So she'll call me and and ask me a little information. We chat once in a while. And she called me a couple of weeks ago, maybe even a couple of months ago now. And she said, okay, Craig, I've been reading your podcast. Listening to your podcast. Listening. <laughs> Listening to those, to the radio. Okay. Now I got it. Yeah, there you go. Listening. <laughs> and she said, you know, I've listened to all of them, but I want to know in a nutshell, if you could just explain to me, you know, all, all these different ideas, can you put it in just a short little uh, context? And I said, well, certainly. My practice for 43 years is based upon two issues. One is agency and the other is love. Yeah. We can talk about agency in a hundred different ways. We've talked about steering our own life, getting free, uh, emotional independence, uh, uh, personal empowerment, uh, all of those kinds of ideas that we need to take charge of our own feelings, our own thoughts, our own attitudes, and not be captive, breaking out of the captivity that we have to history that's affected our lenses, things that happened to me as a child, things that my parents said to me, things that my husband said to me that just really hurt me, girlfriends that hurt my friends or or hurt me or teased me or affected me as a child and learning to break free from that, turning that stuff to wisdom. Mm -hmm. I think I said in the earlier uh, podcast that that's that's all therapy is, is taking all of the painful stuff and growing from it, turning to wisdom. Mm -hmm. So... That's what my practice is based upon, is learning to steer your own life, be independent in your thinking, move from the state of emotional dependency into a state of emotional independence. And the byproduct or the most important part next to that is is love. The freer we get, the more our capacity to love. If I can truly get free from my husband and the silly things that he does, and the anchors in me that his stuff triggers, getting free from that, I can love him profound more than ever. Mm -hmm. And so I explained to her 
agency and love is what this practice is based upon. And I can talk about it for hours and hours, but it boils down to those two basic principles. So I'm, I'm going to jump into love a little bit today and talk first about uh, Dan Siegel. Now, as many of you are familiar with Dan Siegel, he's one of the, the neuroplasticity gurus. A couple of years ago, he was at the Evolution of Psychotherapy, and he talked about uh, what what I grew up with in the 60s, we would call the vibrations. Yes, we have talked about the vibrations. And that those are neuropeptides. Yes. Okay. And what kind of vibrations are you sending out? Yeah, it's very important. When you walk into goodness. your house and you can feel the vibrations that you're sending to your children. Mm-hmm. You send out feelings of love. I think I may have mentioned this, but as a little boy or a little girl, you could say to your mom or dad, maybe you did this. Maybe uh, Rachel would say to you, go inside and check with mom what's going on. And you said, I'm not going to go talk to mom. Yeah. Why not? Because as you walked in, you kind of sense mom's in a bad mood and I'm not going back there. Had she been yelling? No. No, could you just, but you can feel it. You can Sometimes feel it. there's an elephant in the room you can fill. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Referred to as neuropeptides. So I've already talked about that. Yes. Do I need to go over it again? No. Okay. But when we start recognizing that we can use that to bring health to us, it gets better. Right now, you can look at just about anything. Go Google the health benefits of loving Mm-hmm. and watch and see what it says. I just looked at one the other day with a, with a patient in my office. We found out that you metabolize information better, you metabolize food better, you fight disease better. Everything's better when you're loving. Mm-hmm. Now, to give you an example, I'm going to have you do something. This is what I have people do every day, and then I send them on a, a, on a journey to do this every week. Be, I want you to think of somebody that you know. Just anybody. anyone. And just give me a name. A neighbor, somebody in the, oh, in the neighborhood. Okay. You got a name? Am I telling you? Yeah. Just yeah. Tell me. Molly. Okay. Molly's my best friend. Right. Think of Molly. And that's nice. It's probably going to be easier to do this with her. Right now, for 15 seconds, I'm going to hold silent. We're going to both hold silent. And for 15 seconds, I want you to think of your friend Molly and have absolute feelings of love for her. Okay? Mm-hmm. Feel free to join in. Think of any person you want. And... Feel feelings of love for them. Have those feelings of love now for 15 seconds. Ready? Go. Mm -hmm. That's five seconds. I want you to go 10 more. I wonder if she can feel this. Yeah. She's supposed to go into labor today. I'm <laughs> hoping I'm making that happen. But let me ask you, and I hope it is for her, but I'm asking you now, were you able to do that? Yeah. Are you feeling anything different right now about you right now than you were two minutes ago? Yeah. my Just in my heart, it feels different. My chest. Something is... happens to you when you mm-hmm. love people. Mm-hmm. Now, in all the years that I've had people do this, I've only had one person say, no, I don't feel any different. Everyone has always told you when you have feelings of love for somebody, you do better and things work better for you. So loving people, whether it's good for them or whether it's good for yourself, it's good for everybody. And it neurologically is one of the most powerful tools that we have. Now, what we're going to get in today now is a, a very important thing that happened. A fellow came to see me. He was uh, 57 years of age. He was sent to me by his physician uh, for some treatment. He had been in and out of therapy for over 20 years. He'd seen probably five or six different therapists. He had three children. He actually had five children. 
as he came in, he sat down, he said, I'm taking this medication. I'm in and out. I'm sick and tired of going to therapy. I'm sick and tired of the medication. Sometimes I feel like ending my life. I've been so depressed. I've been miserable. I've never been happy. I've been absolutely horrible inside. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about it. He said, I don't even want to be here. But his physician yes. sent him okay. to And I'd seen the physician 25 years ago, the physician's 65 now or something like that. And he says, you need to go see your great. So he's in there. And I said, okay, um, well, tell me a little bit about your history. And he start, started telling me how he'd been depressed and suffered with anxiety. And then I said, well, tell me a little bit about your life and your family. He said, well, I'm married. And I've got three kids. I said, have you ever been married before? And he kind of chokes up and he goes, yes. I said, what happened? He said, well, I got married when I was 20 years of age. Okay. And I had two kids with her. Oh, right. And we stayed together for about five years. And then um, she cheated on me. And we tried to make it work. And uh, a couple of years later, she divorced me saying she hated my guts. And I didn't feel real happy about her. And she took the kids and then she turned the kids against me and my kids haven't, I haven't seen my kids in uh, almost 30 years. Uh, it's been miserable. Uh, I still ache for them. I love them so much, but she moved away and I couldn't see her. And, and it's just really messed with me. And he said, well, then since that time, I, when I got to be in my late 20, 20, 26, 27, I got married and I've had uh, three or four kids. I've had three children, excuse me, not four, three children with my present wife. And, uh, I'm very active in my faith, and I go to church, and I do these things. I said, okay. Uh, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. You said you're religious. And he said, yes. I said, I'd like you to um, look up the scripture. And he says, what is this going to tell me? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to have you do something. I'd like you to read this. So he did, and this is the scripture he got to. This is Matthew 22 verse 35 through 40. And this is what he read to me. I want to read it. Okay, please. Start this one, Libby. <clears throat> then one of them, which was a lawyer. A lawyer? A lawyer oh. goes up to Jesus. Here we go. I know. <laughs> okay. But he's a liar. He's going to talk to Christ. He's going to try to trick him. And what does he say? He asked him a question saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment? Now, let me ask you, Libby. You're a religious girl. You've heard of Ten Commandments? Mm -hmm. But have you ever heard of the Great Commandment? I would assume that's the first. That's what he's saying. Okay, What's okay. the Great Commandment? Here, get ready to buckle up. I said this to him. He's looking at me like weird, like I'm here for therapy, and he's asking me some kind of religious stuff. I said, you're the religious nut when you walked in here. Tell me. All Keep right. It. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Okay, so that's number one. Who are you supposed to love, buddy? I said, who are you supposed to love? He says, God. God, keep going. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Now, what, what does that mean, like unto it? What does that mean? It means it's the same. Same or similar? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Read it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Wait, wait. All the jerks, all the weenies, all the idiots around, love them? Mm -hmm. Even those guys? Mm -hmm. You got to get free from their crap, which will certainly make it easier for you to love them. But okay, so love God, love your neighbors, and what? Uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. As thyself? You're supposed to love yourself? I said, do you love you? And he started to cry. And I said, let me ask you a minute, okay? What about your mom and dad? Did your mom love herself? And he went, no. I said, does your dad ever loved himself? 
Oh no, my father's never felt good about himself. I said, okay, hang on. Oh, don't, don't, you're, don't set this down yet. We're just, don't oh, be setting right. it down yet, Libby. Stay with okay, this. We're okay. just warming up. <laughs> okay. You got it? Yeah. So I said to him, I'm going to have you do a couple of things. I'd like you to bring your three children into the office here. And I'd like you to stand them up right in front of you. I'd like you to do this with your four kids right now. Okay, okay. Libby, you got I'm your four kids right here? Pretending they're here. They're here. Okay. I'd like you to look at them and I'd like you to tell them, I want you to watch me. I want you guys to watch me. Because I'm going to love me. Because I'm going to love me. Because as I love me. As I love me. I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you. To love yourself. To love yourself. Now, a lot of people love themselves, but they don't love anybody else. And they usually love in the red, not the white. We talked before in the red and yes. the white, the body and the spirit. Mm -hmm. Are you going to love you in the white? Yes. No matter what. Oh, it's hard sometimes. It yeah. is. Now, let me ask you this question. Did your dad love himself? Mm -hmm. Did your mom love herself? Mm -hmm. Then you have seen it demonstrated to you. Does that give you knowledge that you can truly love yourself? Yes. Let's, we're going to be talking about this with so many people who are empty cupped and still dependent, expecting their wife to make them happy, their husband to make them happy, the kids to make them happy, the, the parents to make them happy, when the reality is love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Yeah. So I, well, go ahead. I just, question? I was just going to say that when you asked me that about you and mom, I mean, there are things I can think of where I think, I know like, she struggled with this or you struggled like in little, it's not like you love yourself perfectly all yeah, the time. Cause yeah. it's hard. And I, those same things I go, Oh yeah. I kind of carry those same things a little bit because it was taught to me. And I am saying that in that, I mean, <laughs> you did a great job still, <laughs> but Thank I'm you. like, okay. Oh, your dad made some mistakes. Yeah. Huh? yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And you might Nobody's make some perfect. mistakes too. So let's jump to that for just a minute. We'll come back to this man again, but you and I've talked before about the duality mm -hmm. and that's the struggle between the carnal part of it, the temporal, the carnal, the physical, the animal and the divine, the spirit, the pure the and the, the soul. 8815, the soul is made from a body and a spirit. And there's this struggle that goes on between the body and the spirit. Mm -hmm. And David O. McKay told us the duality of man and women, the duality of man, is the plan of God. What? So you're to love yourself even in the midst of your duality? Okay. Is this making sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's deep. So I came back to this man and I said, now I want you to tell your kids again, watch me because I'm going to love me through the wire. Now he hadn't heard about the wire. You've heard the wire. Yes, the you've talked about listening. the wire. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if my child hurts, I hurt. A lot of parents teach their children, I'm going to love you. And it teaches my kids to love me back. And so a lot of people will love others. They love their parents. They love their friends. They love their neighbors. But have they been taught to actually love themselves? Yeah. He looked at me and he said, well, how in the world do I love myself? Give me a time in your life. What are you? You're 55 now. Let's go back to when you were a child, maybe a time when you weren't loving you. And he went back to junior high, seventh mm -hmm. grade. And remember how hard it was in seventh grade. Mm 
how his mother was always disappointed in him, his father was, and the kids weren't very nice to him. He did not love himself and he didn't feel loved. So I had him, I said, I want you to go back to when you're seventh grade. Are you home or at school? He says, at school, sitting in the classroom, feeling terrible. I said, all right, now I'm going to go with you or we're going to go to the school and I want you to freeze frame the picture now. And I want you to walk into the classroom and kneel down at little Billy sitting at his desk at 12 years of age. And he did. I said, put your arm around him and tell him this, Billy, I'm going to love you and take care of you forever. And he started to cry. He said, this is remarkable. I've never done this. He said, you ask me, how do you love yourself? I want you to spend every day the rest of your life finding every, the 12-year-old, the 6-year-old, the 15-year-old, the 25-year-old, the 30-year-old, the 40-year-old, the 50-year-old. And you go find him and you put your arms around him. But we didn't stop there. He was ready to leave. He said, oh, no, no, no. We're just getting warmed up. He said, what do you mean? I said, okay, stay there. And I want you to do this. You're a religious man. He said, yes, I am. I said, okay. JC, will you come in? Ask Jesus Christ to walk into the room. And Jesus Christ walks into the classroom. JC walks in. And what does Jesus says as he comes in? He says, And you and Jesus Christ pick up that 12-year-old little boy from his chair and squeezing between the two of you, we call it in our family, a sandwich hug. We sometimes, my wife and I, will squeeze the grandkids between us and say, and let Jesus whisper, I'm going to love you and I'm going to take care of you forever. How many of us feel that God loves us when we've done stupid stuff when we were 12? Uh, Not very many. So he started loving himself, and he let God love that little boy, and he started crying. And he said, okay, I'll come back. I'll see you next week. I said, no, 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 don't leave yet. Come on. So he had already told his wife. He told his three kids, and now I said, put your mom and dad right here in the room with you. I'd like you to look at your dad and say, Dad, watch me. I'm going to love me, and it's time for you to love yourself. And then he started to cry. And then I said, I'll tell your mother. This guy sounds like me. He cries a lot. <laughs> well, he wasn't <laughs> expecting. He wasn't happy to be He wasn't happy to be there in the first place anyway, but he settled down. And then he told his mom, watch me. I'm truly going to love me because Jesus loves me, even in my duality, which I didn't think that he did. Even when I'm making mistakes and being dumb. Yeah, God still loves us. Now, we're going to get there in a minute. Then I said, now let's go to work. And he says, go to work. We've done enough. I said, no, no, we're going to bring those two kids that you haven't seen for 27 years. What? Bring them and put them in here. Okay. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) he He said, I don't know if I could do this. Call them by name and tell them, watch me, because I'm going to love me. And I want you guys to know, even though you're miles away, to know that I love me so that you will grow up knowing you can love you. Mm-hmm. Because my whole life I've never felt I was loved, but I now know that I'm loved. And then I said, now put that ex-wife of yours. And he says, okay. And he called her my name. We'll call her Julia. And he said, Julia, watch me. Whether you hate me, or despise me, or I've hated and despised you. I'm going to love me, and I'm going to practice agency and get free from what you've done, and love you. And then he said, I think I'll come back and see you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, 
<laughs> I got a lot more to talk about this, but I want to jump to here for a moment. This was a psychologist here. Uh, oh, gosh, it's been probably a couple of years ago. Uh, she called me and she said, he said, excuse me, I get these two mixed up. He said, I'm seeing a guy in my office who is so angry, he wants to kill himself. He's so depressed. He also wants to kill his wife. And he also wants to kill the wife's boyfriend. He's been cheating on me. She had been cheating on she, him. She had been cheating on the husband. Mm -hmm. My patient, my, my friend called me and said, what do you do with that? He wants to kill him. And I asked this guy, the therapist, I said, he's a psychologist. I said, are you religious? He says, yeah. I said, do you know the greatest commandment? The great commandment? What's the great commandment? Well, there's a 10, yeah. What's the great? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Before we go on that with that, let me finish that scripture. On these two commandments, these two commandments. So there's actually three. I call it the whip. There's God, yourself, your neighbor. and your neighbor. Okay. So there's three, but it says two, which are like unto themselves. So they're, they're similar, the same. Go ahead. These things. On these two commandments hang all the law. All the law? And the prophets. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everything hangs on this? Love? Love yourself? Love God and love all the assholes? Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. You can cut that part out if no, you want. We'll but I, I don't mean that in a mean way, but no. I do know that everybody struggles with the body and the spirit. Everybody has this struggle between the body and the spirit. So the psychologist asked me, what do I do? I said, well, what you tell me. What's a great command? He said, this. Well, what about the guy you're seeing? Well, he says he's religion. Well, tell him that. He said, well, he wants to kill him. Well, go tell him anyway. He calls me up. A couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, I said, what's up? He says, this is the craziest thing in the world. What do you mean? He decided that's what he's going to do. He was going to love himself and not be dependent on her for his happiness because that's the way we're all raised. Remember in the earlier sessions, we talked about clinical emotional dependency, that everything we think and feel is based upon this is happening to me, this is happening to me, this is happening to me. Instead of creating my own sense of joy, I'm going to start loving me and I'm going to believe that my God loves me throughout anything, even in my duality, it even loves her and even loves him. And so he calls her and he says, do what you need to do. I'm going to love you. I'd still like to work it out with you. But if you want to leave, that's fine. I know that I'm going to be okay. I love you. And guess what happens? Instead of him killing her or killing him, she breaks up and comes home and says, I've been so foolish. And he realized. She breaks up with the boyfriend. Yes. And she realized, he realized how foolish he had been and how foolish she had been. But he thought he had to fix her. And she thought. The man or the husband's supposed to fix her. The reality of aging says, who's got to fix that woman? Herself. Who's got to fix it? The, the husband? Himself. Who's got to fix the boyfriend? Himself. Nobody else. We have to learn to be agents unto ourselves and love. Love all of those people. Get free from all of the crap they go through and adore us and cherish and cherish them and cherish our God. And don't forget that God loves us. Now we're going to jump to love for this just a minute. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go over there for a minute. Okay, um, you know, Libby, you know a little bit about my history. You knew growing up, you know, my mother died and, and uh, I had a lot of faith. I think I may have talked about this before, but when my mother got sick with cancer, I prayed to my God, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, I have the faith. I trust thee. I will live. I will live a good life. 
I have faith that my mother will live. She has cancer. I pray that she'll live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she didn't live. She died. Mm-hmm. And I thought because God loved me, he would rescue me if I had the faith and save my mother. Right. He didn't. Okay. Well, then I got a grandmother. She started taking care of us. And a few weeks later, she moved back to Colorado, and and she got sick, and I prayed that she would get better. And uh, she didn't get better either. I prayed, God, okay, it didn't work out with my mom, but you'll pray my help my grandma that she'll live, and she can come back and take care of us, and, and everything will be okay, and please bless her, and I'll trust in, in him. And I remember even when my mother was sick, people at church would ask me, how's your mom? Oh, she's fine. Well, she has cancer. I thought she's going to, oh, no, I have the faith. She's going to live. I had all of confidence in the world she'd live. And then my grandmother, I thought she'd live, and she died too. And then my other grandmother got sick, and I said she would live. Well, a few years later, she died. Then um, my father remarried, and uh, please know that I love my mother very much, but there for years I didn't. Yeah. And she didn't care for me very much either. <laughs> And I would say my prayers, please bless me that I can be a better boy and be kind and good and everything would be okay. And bless my mom that she would stop hating me and and quit throwing me out of the house and put me out on the street when my dad would leave town. Please, Father in heaven. And I had the faith. No, that didn't work out too well. And, you know, when I was probably in the sixth grade, I was in and out of the house from then on. Dad would leave town and she'd blow up at me and bloody my nose and throw me out and told me I couldn't live there anymore. My dad would come home and bring me home and say, just stay downstairs. I don't know why she hates you. And then he'd leave again and she'd throw me out. And I would pray and pray and pray, please. Well, after that many people, did he rescue me? I didn't think he did. (laughs) Nope. So how, did I decide there's a God in my life anymore? No. Nope. Hell no. Hell there's no, no God. Out of town, dude. And as you know, I started drinking beer when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was 15, I said, I don't believe in this church crap. I've had the faith. It doesn't work. And so I decided that I'm just going to go make it on my own. And I learned to survive and I can stir my own life and I'm not going to believe in any God. And it's a bunch of crap. And I think I mentioned this one in one of the previous previous, uh, pods. But uh, then I got children. I got you. I got my three daughters, my son. And I remember with my oldest son to begin with, sometimes he'd get in trouble at school. And I remember one time I vowed I never had anybody rescue me. Yeah. So I will be sure I will rescue my children. Well, I'll ask you, Libby. Is that a real good thing if I rescue my kids every time they get in trouble? No. Yes. We, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> By the time I came around, you'd figured that one out. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, it took a while because I had some some confrontations with people and teachers who would talk mean to my children. And I remember Libby in junior high, I went down there and I did excuse her to leave the room from the principals and the teachers before I told these people a piece of my mind. <laughs> I do remember that one. And then I started to realize maybe it's not the good thing to rescue them. And then I realized I'll, I'll sit in the truck out in the parking lot. I might even walk you up to the door 
but I'm going to stand outside because you're some deep doo-doo here. You got to go take care of this, but I'm out in the truck. When you get out, I give you a hug. I love yeah. you. I'll hug you, reassure you, know that this hell that you're going through, this trouble you got yourself into, you got to face it. I'm not going to rescue you from it, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came to realize, oh my hell, that's the same thing my father's done. He said, Craig, I'm not going to rescue you from that. You got to face all that yourself. But I'm out in the truck, son. I love you. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to leave you. I'll always stand by you. I love you profoundly, even in your duality. And I'll make it possible that you can get through it. I'll never leave you, no matter how crazy you get, no matter how bad you get. But so many people, myself included, when we feel that he doesn't rescue us, thinks he's not going to rescue. He's not there. He doesn't love us. And I'm here to say now, no, he loves. He loves me profoundly. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask a couple of questions here. Okay. In my right hand, I'm going to put oh, in this hand. I like this. We did this. Last I've talked time. about this. Before on, you on, go on, on to yes, this. Okay. No, you have not spoken. Okay. We just spoke about it. Okay. I. It's so funny because you have spoken about children and doing this with your children a few times it comes up and every time I need to hear it again and again, (laughs) it's like, Oh, I've heard this, but I want to hear it again because I need this reminder and not just for my children, but for myself, because for one, there are times in life when you go through a drought where you're like, I've been patient. Where are you at? Come on, bro. Like, where, where, where are you? Yeah. And so, and boy, that's hard sometimes. I appreciate hearing your experience because you had a lot, a pretty long drought of not having a relationship with Jesus Christ or God or what. Or And what or had to happen for the drought to end? I don't know. You had to I'll be say humble. it this way. This is the simplest way to live life. If you want a good life. Live a good life. Live a good life. If you want a crap life, live a crap life. He says throughout the New Testament, all different scriptures, Laodicea, if you want good, live good. There's a place where it says, let's ponder for a moment on those people who live righteously and they shall be blessed temporally and spiritually. What? So if you live a good, righteous life, you're still going to have troubles, but you're going to be blessed spiritually and temporally. You're going to get all this stuff eventually. Well, what's happened? I pulled my head out. I started to change my life. I started to realize God loved me and life started to get a lot better. Oh, we still have struggles, but it's like I can laugh at him. I say, oh, struggles, yeah. we'll get through them because I know he's out in the truck. <laughs> it's true. But sometimes also I think, and this is a real thought I have. I don't want to be that good because I don't need to be Job or who I don't want this. You know, a lot of people go through some real trials and they get through them and they have great relationships with God. And then here comes another one, you know, and they grow and they learn and they grow and they learn. And I'm like, I am all good. I Dang it. I should not be saying this out loud, actually. <laughs> Knock on wood. I that's, just that's, really that's don't. Rock. I don't want to learn much. I'll just, you just tell me. I'll learn through that. I don't need experiences. Yeah. Okay. Back to on one hand. So you okay. were saying on one hand. All right. So, uh, so I'm drinking beer at 13. So let me ask you, um, 
do you think my mom loved me when she knew that I was drinking beer? Did she still love me? Um, I would say that her level of love, no, I would no, say she No, she used to tell not. me she hated my guts and I was nothing but trouble and I ended up in prison one day. Uh, did I feel li- loved by my, my principal who became my bishop uh, no, in high school? He sure, told me no. I was white trash. I ended up in prison one day. He, he called me out of the office. He threw me out of school a couple of times. Okay. Let me ask you then, I'm drinking beer. How did I feel about me? Did I love myself? No. No, as a matter of fact, I remember the first time I ever drank, I think I was either 12 or 13, and I came home and I said, oh, God, please forgive me. I can't believe it. I know you're mad at me. You hate me. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll, I'll never drink again. Following week comes along. My friends call, hey, dude, we got a keg, man. Let's hit the can. You're okay. Off we go. And we go up drinking again. And I would feel like, oh, no, he hates me. He hates me. He hates me. Did I feel that I was loved by God? No. Did I feel like, how about my friends? Some of my friends said, you're cool, Craig. Yeah, you drink beer with us. Okay, oh, you're cool. But how'd their parents feel about me? No, we're not playing with Craig anymore. We won't let you play with that boy because Craig's bad. We hate him. Well, I wish I would have known what we've talked about today about loving myself and loving all those people and also loving my God. I didn't learn that till I was well into my 30s. So on the, my left hand, we will say, I'm, I'm trying to lift my hand up with all of the struggle of, I need to quit drinking. I need to quit so people will love me. Uh, you know, I married your mom and I cleaned up. I quit drinking long enough to marry her. And then, you know, a year later, I'm drinking again. And she's, I can't believe it. Do you think she loved me when I was drinking? No. No. She told me, I hate you. You've ruined my life. Do you hear the dependents screaming that their ability to love me is dependent on what I'm doing? Yeah. How many parents do that with their children? Of 98%. I will love him if he does what I tell him to do, but I'm so disappointed I don't love him. So I didn't feel loved. I felt I was no good. I had no value. Well, I kept drinking, and then I moved here to the ward, Bountiful 13th Ward, and my bishop came and asked me to be, to teach the primary. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I smoke and I drink. And he says, yeah, I don't care about that. We teach these kids. They're eight-year-olds. I went, what? You serious? Let me get a beer. We'll talk about it. He says, no, I don't care for anything, but will you, will you teach primary? And I went, what? What if I, if I walk to church smoking and somebody yells at me, you know, I can't believe you're smoking. You're going to teach that class in primary. They're going to be disappointed. And says, I don't think that'll happen in this world. But if it does, I'll do with it. I think you'd be good for these kids. You're dealing with all those kids that have been beat to death, all the horror you're having to deal with. These are some good, healthy kids. They'll be good for you. You need to come on and teach these kids. I think my second lesson was the four hours of repentance. But then one of the things I learned in there is this. Well, let me ask you now, at your age, Libby. I was 13 drinking beer. Did God still love me? He did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. why? Let but me, let me, you're, you're not taught. You weren't taught that he did. Let's go to when I was 20. If I'm still drinking at 20, did I feel like my God loved me? No. No. When I was 25 drinking, did I feel like God loved me? No. And then I started teaching primary about 28, 29 years of age, even though I was still drinking beer. What was he doing? Still loving me? Mm-hmm. Now, he might be saying, Craig. Pull your head out of your butt and quit that drinking. That's not good for you. 
You're gonna, you're gonna, you're losing your life. You're wasting your life with all this. You're wasting time and money. You need to get better. Come on, quit your drinking. I still love you though. Now let me ask you. In my left hand, I felt that he didn't love me. I couldn't quit drinking. This is trying to quit drinking. That's a heavy hand. Heavy hand. I couldn't, I couldn't lift it. But then in my right hand, I realized God said, "Craig, you idiot. I love you. I'm never gonna stop loving you, even in your duality." You're doing some stupid stuff, but I'm still going to love you. And I trust you and I'll work with you and I'll walk with you. And once I understood that God loved me, did I have greater strength to overcome thing, something as alcohol? Yeah. How about drugs? Yeah. How about porn? Yeah. Let's talk about I saw recently. He's a religious leader, okay? And he has to work with youth who are looking at porno pornography and they're masturbating. He has to sit down with these kids. And this guy's doing the same thing himself. He's 40 years of age. How does he feel about sitting down with kids and talking to them about their pornography and masturbating when he's doing it himself? Did he love himself? Probably not. Now, let me ask you, in a leadership position, he didn't love himself, did he? How did he feel about these little kids who are masturbating and doing the things Probably teaching not them that they're not yeah. loved. Let me ask you, you know this now. Did God love that guy even yes. though he's doing that? Yes. yes. And does he still love that guy? Yes. And when you finally come to understand that even though God still loves you, he doesn't say, it's okay, I love you. It's, listen, you still need to get out of that stuff. I'm doing this for you. Now, why does he do that? Now, let's go there for just a minute. I'll come back. A lot of times... Uh, I hear parents say this in my office. Well, the world is so wicked out there. And my kids out there with doing bad things with drugs and alcohol and uh, sexuality and violating all of the, the, the truth that he'd been raised in. But it's so horrible out there. I want him to come home. I want him to, to know that at home it's safe and peaceful. So I'll mm -hmm. invite him home and he can come home. Even though he's doing that, I want him to know that he has peace here. He can come home. And I look at parents and say, are you sure you want to do that? Yes. I said, well, let me ask you this question. If I'm snorting cocaine, running a string of girls in the basement, a horn, uh, uh, selling uh, heroin and shooting, a, putting a needle in my arm every day, and I'm doing all of that crazy stuff, can I go back and live with my father in heaven while I'm doing that? Nope. What have I got to do to be able to go home? You got to clean up. What? I think it's an interesting word that most Christianity theologies talk about. Repent, which means turn from. It's the turn shoe. Turn from, yeah. Shoe, turn from. I've got change to of heart. Change, change it. Change. And then can I go home? Yeah. Yes, he'll pick it out a pig. We'll have a party. We'll dance the prodigal, you know, uh, prodigal, prodigal son. Prodigal son. Remember, my stroke is still helping me. <laughs> uh, so when the kid comes home and strains up, fatten the pig. Have a prodigal party. You might have to do it a couple <laughs> I of times. Have a prodigal party. <laughs> yeah. But guess yeah, what? Have it, five if he starts parties. doing the crazy stuff again, you throw his butt out again, dude. Because the biggest, I don't think the parents make that many mistakes raising their children, except that. Because you're saying, yes, you can always come home. You don't have to change. No, it's the biggest mistake. If you I... want to return home, you've got to change, please. I want you to come home. I'll, I'll very quickly give you this home. 
if you're going to change that. Right. You can repent. You're not going to do it. You don't have to come back and say, I'm sorry, Dad. No, it's to yourself. Are you going to live honestly within yourself? Then come home. That's what we as parents need to teach our children. If you don't want to do this, okay, have a good life. Have fun out there. But when you finally pull your head out, or this line, this is Moses chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed be the name of God for through my transgressions. My eyes are opened. Yeah. And I now shall have joy. What? I shall now have joy for the remainder of my life. And even next verse says, had it not been for a transgression, never would have tasted the joy, never could have had children or tasted the joy of my redemption. What? What? So doing the dumb stuff is how we get our eyes open? Yeah. Unless we get rescued from it. And if we get rescued from it, we don't have to do it. Then we can keep doing it. But if we finally change. get kicked upside the head, we go, oh, this doesn't work very good, doesn't it? No, you're finally getting your eyes open. But as soon as you get back into the good life, a healthy life, you get a healthy life, you live a healthy life. You live a crummy life, you have a crummy life. That's the way it is. All difficulties on both sides. But when you finally understand living this way, a, a better way, a healthy way. Well, Now let's go. Okay, you can say something. I think also a lot of parents have that show their love through action. Yes. So... I love you. You can come live with me, but you can still say, I love you. You want to live that way? I love you. Good luck. I hope you're okay. But a lot of times it's really hard to separate those. The very thing we talked the first session, I love you, but I'm not eating those vegetables, son. I love you. I will adore you. I'll take you to dinner. I'll, I'll maybe even come over and take you to the washroom, help do your wash. But you can't come to this wonderful, sweet life that we have unless you change your ways and, and decide you're, you're going to do that. And this world that kicks your head may beat you up quite a bit before you finally figure it out. But so many people get angry and say, he's not rescuing me. And I said, he's not going to. He's standing there for you to do your work and then welcome you back with open arms saying, yes, come home. And he will provide a way for you to do it here, whatever way that it is. Am I talking about mental health stuff here? I mean, it's yes. Do you mean I have to be responsible <laughs> for my own depression? Yeah. I have to learn to learn to deal with my own anxiety, but it's too difficult. Yeah. Until you get your head kicked in and figure out, oh, I'm going to have to learn to change some of these kinds of things. But now going back to this one. So once I realized that God loved me in my right hand, can I lift my left hand now out of the bottom? That heavy hand? Yeah, it's a little easier to lift. I will tell you when I was trying to do it alone, God hates me, everybody hates me, I got to quit drinking. I would quit (laughs) for a month, right? maybe even six months. And then I'd slip back into it. And I tell people, I bought, I'll bet I quit drinking literally 50 times in those 22 years that I drank. Mm -hmm. And I never quit. And then when I realized that God said, Craig, I'm never going to stop loving you. I'm always in the truck. I'm never going to abandon you, but you got to do the work, but I'll walk with you. I'm not rescuing you, but I'll never, never leave you. I still slipped probably three more times. And I haven't had a drink in 37 years now. What happened? He never left me. I'm, I'm kind of nuts for him now. And he'll walk with everybody. But we have to do our part. Well, and too often people leave him and get mad because they feel like, he's not rescuing me, so to heck with him. Yeah. You're going to say. Well, I was just going to say, and on the two hands, one, 
you're doing it out of, I have to change. I have to be better. I need these people's love. I need this, whatever. That's hard when that's what you're fighting for. On the other hand, when you're saying God loves me, what? I, I don't even have to change, but I can if I want to. And he loves me. Yeah. That's a much lighter weight and seems like an easier task than carrying the burden of every person you know who you think hates you and is judging you based on how you're living your life. If you can let that go. By the first half and, and then next week we'll release part two. Do you, you mean you can actually let it go and he'll take it all off of us? Yeah. And then who got their eyes open from all of that crap? You. If we get rescued from it immediately, do we learn anything from it? No, not usually. But if we have to struggle getting through it, blessed be the name of God for through my transgressions, my eyes are opened yeah. and I now shall have joy for the remainder of my life. Yeah. So it's the difficulties that teach us. Dang it. Quit telling me that. Well, let's go to another little story. I got a okay. lot more. We're just warming up. Okay. This is a good place to wrap. We will continue part two next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.